Good morning to the 6 a.m. club. Got the entire squad with you for the Thursday edition. Sean Shreef, RJ Choppy, and Bobby Belt on your home of the Rangers and Cowboys, where yesterday, Bobby, we got some news in the building with uh, some promotions taking place. What's going on? Scott Tolzien is now your quarterback's coach. Uh, The old uh, Wisconsin quarterback. All right. He is uh, the quarterback coach, and this has been... And the old... Green Bay, Wisconsin quarterback. Yeah, right. Uh, a, a Mike McCarthy favorite. And this has been uh, three, four years in the making, him having this job. Uh, I honestly don't think Mike McCarthy intended Doug Nussmeyer to have the job as long as he did. Uh, that this was going to be something that when he brought Tolzien in, it was, hey, learn for a little bit. And then eventually this is going to be your job. So when that one came open, that's a name we've talked about here on the show. We've talked about it on G-Bag. Brian and I have talked about it on Love of the Star. It's that's... That was the easiest coaching filling that we could project was Scott Tolzien was going to be the quarterback's coach. So that's where that one stands. Jeff Blasco's running backs coach is a little interesting. Uh, He had been the assistant offensive line coach for the last several years. And that's the other than tight end offensive line is the only position he's ever coached. So is he a good running backs coach? I have no clue. Yeah. And uh, I could even ask some people, and they would probably tell us, I have no clue if he's a good running backs coach. All right, Choppy, you are Scott Tolzien, and you're sitting down for the first time with Dak Prescott with your new title and your new label. Mm. The first thing that you were saying to Rain Dakota is what in terms of coaching advice? Uh, ignore the tight ends. Go downfield. <laughs> Unless you get a tight end that can go down. Unless you get Travis unless you get Travis Kelsey or a tight end go downfield. I'm sick of just how about this? Stop throwing at receivers who are looking at you. Curl routes. Stop routes. Yeah. Zach loves to throw to guys who are looking at him. Wasn't that the problem? Wasn't that what everybody was complaining about? Was that he wasn't throwing to receivers that were looking at him? CeeDee Lamb would be looking this way and running this way, and Dak well, was reading that, that this. Was, that was and, miscommunication too, but uh, you know, in general, <laughs> Dak loves to throw to stationary targets. I think that's just the scheme. Yeah. I think be. he loves the option routes. I think he, I mean, he's talked about it in the locker room with us that he does love the, he thinks that the option routes are a huge advantage because you can get on the same page, read the same thing and take advantage of what's going to give you the most benefit. The stop routes, I think are just, that's what's built in there. And so that's what he's throwing to. I think the biggest criticism of, of, of Dak is probably uh, hitting receivers in stride on the run. Mm. I would I would think if we had to vote on one criticism, that would probably be number one for me, and that is going to be stressed in the West Coast offense, right? What would you say is the number one throwing criticism of him? Or yours versus what the noise is? Because you've always defended him as a deep ball thrower. <clears throat> he doesn't, is- to me, he doesn't always, he's not always consistent with, his desire and to, to throw deep over the middle. More, um, which, which, which is the most, that's the sign of the elite quarterback. The elite quarterbacks go deep downfield over the middle. We know he's perfect, Bobby, in your mind, but try to come up with one criticism. It's, okay, thank you. Again, I am the one who's balanced as F or whatever your shirt says. No, you're not. That's me. No, you're not. I am. Uh, post-snap coverage recognition, probably. Okay. If somebody disguises something and then they drop, he there are too many times where he doesn't recognize it. And and there are too many times where he does not see a defender underneath. It's almost like he's looking too he he's a little too laser focused at times when he's pushing the ball downfield and he won't necessarily see 
gets a little tunnel vision, won't necessarily see the safety coming, won't see the linebacker dropping. That's probably the most inconsistent part of his game that hurts them the most. What were the biggest differences that John Kitna brought to him that you love so much? His footwork was more consistent. That's what they really worked on. Because uh, if you watch, and it's even occurred since Kitna left, uh, if you watch before Kitna was here and after Kitna was after Kitna left, you you'll notice that his back leg has a tendency to kind of like whip out and come off the ground. Whereas when Kitna was here, it was that uh, chop. You're probably familiar with this with baseball, the uh, the squash the bug, where they have you oh, put yes. your foot down and then yes. when you're rotating to swing, you mm-hmm. kind of you turn that toe. That's what he had Dak doing was turning that toe, stronger base, steadier base. And since he left, that's been a little more inconsistent. Dax talked about, I know specifically last year, he talked about in the second half when he looked back at the film, he was like, my my footwork mechanics, I need to go back to the basics because they were they were sloppy. I, I mean, like, does, do do most quarterbacks not change quarterback coaches? Like, uh, like why is his footwork decreasing or diminishing after Kitna left? Like, shouldn't, once you're, should that be something that he can work on himself? It maintained in 2020, 2021. It started to, first half of the year, it was fine. Second half, it was not. Some people wonder, did his footwork become sloppy because of the calf? Sure. That that may have done something to just put some bad habits in there again. And I think this year, overall, it was a little sloppier. Dak spoke with Yahoo and talked about the changes offensively on the staff, like with Mike McCarthy taking over the play calling. And Dak said, right now, Mike told me about 20 to 30% change. I think, if anything, they are things that needed to be changed. Todd Archer was on Cowboys Insider with the G-Bag Nation talking about what could be changing. The, the automatic thought is you go back to his last couple of years in Green Bay where it wasn't very good, yeah. but you forget the first decade that he had when it was very good. Right. So, for, for you know, as a kid who grew up in Boston, I remember Larry Bird in the beginning being able to run. Everybody else remembers Larry Bird sitting at the end of the bench protecting his back, and he couldn't move anymore. So it depends on which what you want to fixate on as to what this offense will be. I, I think the decade of Favre to Rodgers in a Super Bowl is, is probably closer to what it will be than it was at the end of his time with Aaron where – they were butting heads. They weren't getting along, and the offense got kind of stagnant. Um, I think this could be a good thing for Dak. I think this could be a good thing for, for CD and a good thing for the offensive line just to have new voices and new ways of going about it because this has been all that they've all really ever known. This is Mike McCarthy getting his wish as to something that Jason Garrett never got at the end of his time. If this is going to be on me, put it on me. And Mike has told us a thousand times he misses play calling. He misses the – the, the the element of going head to head against somebody and proving that you're you, you're better than the guy across the field from you, I'll go with what it looked like early in Green Bay as opposed to what it looked like at the end of Green Bay. All right, that's an optimistic outlook. Jory Epstein, by the way, got this exclusive with Dak. He said it's great to dial in, fix some things, get sharper and crisper efficiency. This is not Dak's quote. This is Jory. Efficiency and communication began to dip last season inconsistencies between Prescott and his receivers diagnosing the defense led to the league high uh, 15 interceptions. And then she wrote, should an offense attack opponents with deep extended routes to stretch defenders vertically RJ or would quick, shorter and immediate passers uh, passes increase the success rate. So that is a nice little tidbit from Jory Epstein 
Uh, talking to Dak, 20 to 30% of the offense changing. Well, and I know you started reading that from Jory, and you said, this is Jory saying this, not Dak. I will say, if Jory's saying that, there's a good chance Dak thinks that. Jory, Jory it, it, when Jory, it, there's there's a few people on different beats where you know you, you'll say, well, when this reporter talks about this person, you should listen because there's a good relationship. That, yeah. I just say, when Jory talks about Dak, you should listen. Because that's that's very relevant to probably what his mindset is. I mean, the answer is both. I mean, you want to be able to have short, intermediate, quick passes to get the ball out and 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 you know avoid the pass rush. Then you want to be able to take shots downfield and keep the defense honest. I mean, you've got to be able to do both. You really want that. And, and you know, when they were clicking in the Tampa Bay game, they were doing both. Yeah, but that's that emphasis on that short, intermediate, quick, get the ball. That's West Coast to mm-hmm. the core. So. I mean, if you guys are, are feeling like, okay, well, Mike McCarthy coming in here, maybe we'll take some more shots downfield. This will be uh, a little bit more of an explosive offense. Mm, no, it may yeah. be a more it may be a more efficient offense. That's what they'll hope. It, it may or may not. You'll just have to see the way it plays out. But in terms of being a more explosive offense, I don't think uh, so. By That's, the way, real quick, it's remarkable that 15 interceptions led the league in interceptions. I was year. just thinking that. John Elway did that five times. He threw more than 15. <laughs> interceptions are are not as easy to come by as they once were. That's why it is impressive when you see somebody like Diggs do 11. Des Bryant is not understanding. He's still one of the old dinosaurs left hanging on to Zeke Elliott. Uh, as he said, how can scouts and analysts agree that Zeke has very little left in his legs and only a chance at making league minimum to stay in Dallas? Zeke ain't got to tell me S for me to know he was sacrificing his unhealed body to give the Cowboys the best chance to win games, playing whatever role. But if you're going to talk about his game declining, make sure you talk about, and then a bunch of other texts, which I'm not, I don't click because Twitter now allows much more. I hate that. I hate that now. We've increased the characters, so we have to go and click on the paragraphs. But basically, he was saying, hey, Zeke, keep your mental game tight. I know that you are playing hurt. So that's Dez. One of the last Zeke defenders. Zeke sacrificed his unhealed body so he wouldn't lose his starting job. <laughs> I mean, to be completely frank, he didn't want to give up the job to Pollard. That was a that was an under discussed tense issue in twenty twenty one for that locker room. Was Zeke was feeling a little <laughs> this isn't a great word for it, but Zeke was probably feeling a little insecure about the hard charging Tony Pollard and didn't want to come off the field. He's a competitor. I think people like sure. that about him. But but it's the same thing every year. He's playing banged up. He's a warrior. But not not for not for the. I know people say for the team for the team would have been get this fixed and get off the field. So he was out there for essentially self preservation. Final Tony Pollard poll results that Bobby put out sixty five hundred votes at Bobby Bell TX. Would you franchise tag Tony Pollard for $10 million? RJ, how do you think the final result showed? Oh, man. People are just incapable of, 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 of seeing the light. So I would say the majority said franchise tag for 10 I'll say 56%. 58% said yes. Ah! 58 to 42 franchise tag Tony Pollard. The final decision from the Tolos. Does it surprise you at all? that 58% said to franchise Tony Pollard. And the last poll we did, 58% said Dak Prescott was better than Jalen Hurts. Do you think that's the same 58%? (laughs) 
Uh, is the Venn diagram yeah, just they're both wrong? Is the Venn diagram you think just like the uh, the wheel of misfortune over there is just a big circle? <laughs> it's amazing. Fan bases know the the right sports decision, but they can't make the right team decision. It's too hard to let go of Tony Pollard off the Cowboys. Oh, but if it was another running back, everyone would say, "Oh, we we know not to pay the running back." All the data is out there to prove it. Yep, absolutely. Like they they would. They would ditch somebody else's quarterback first because he's not any good uh, or because he just can't – he's not good enough. It's like the Mavs fans are Kyrie. All of a sudden, you flip-floppers. Oh, y'all, y'all got Kyrie jerseys now when before he was a racist nut job yeah. who you would never want nah. near your team. He's, and now, no, MFFL, man. He's never said anything controversial. Flip-flop. He's not – he's never said anything no, controversial. You can media. root and not be a total flip-flopper, uh, but – that that that's that's the Mav Homer for you. 877-881-1053, live on the fan cam, Twitch, and YouTube here on DFW Sports Station. Thanks for being a Tolo as Bobby's blowing you a, a kiss on the fan cam. You know, I always want legends to stick around. I don't know about this one after the latest Aaron Rodgers report. I really, really <laughs> don't know why Derek Carr may not want to go to New York. And should the Cowboys be interested in any of these Tennessee Titans that got cut yesterday? That's next on The Fan. Good morning, Metroplex. Shout out to the 6 a.m. Club. Sean, RJ, and Bobby with you on DFW Sports Station. Live on the fan cam with the new graphics, Twitch, and YouTube, any interest in some former Tennessee Titans? As yesterday, uh, Taylor Lewan and Robert Woods, both gone from Tennessee. They needed to save like $30 million off the cap. And Lewan, gone. Robert Woods, one of Troy Aikman's favorite receivers, also gone. Yes. 53 catches for Robert Woods. A um, couple of touchdowns with no quarterback play. Absolutely no quarterback play. You know, would I would I consider him as a as a third receiver somewhere here? Sure. Yeah, I, that'd be a pretty, you know, decent get, but he probably would be a little bit expensive for that third role. I don't know. I mean, he's not like he he's not a prolific receiver. He's a steady receiver. He hasn't dropped off much, but he's not like this prolific receiver, and he's 31. And so if you brought him in here as a Hey, come be the third or second. I'll tell you what. The value on Robert Woods, I bet, is better than the value on Odell Beckham. Oh, easily. And so I, I would much agree. rather, if you're telling me Odell Beckham or Robert Woods, go pursue Robert Woods. He'd be a nice, steady receiver for them. He's he will, he's thrilled to get out of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He tweeted yesterday, free. And then he followed up and said, where should I go? With a big smiley face. Uh, those those receivers that are six feet tall that are like good route runners, they they, they, they age fairly well. If you're a good technician, yeah, it, it it helps. Now, I mean, like Odell Beckham's always been a good route runner, but he's also part of what made him a good route runner was his quickness, like his foot quickness and his explosiveness, and that's going to just not be the same. What if you throw Keenan Allen into the mix? Man. Uh, I so Robert really- Wood's going to be the cheapest. Odell's going to be the most expensivest, as two chains would say. Well done. Well done. And then Keenan Allen in the middle. Throw him in. I don't know that Keenan Allen's in the middle. Somebody might pay Keenan Allen still. Keenan Allen still has a really good reputation across the league. He just gets banged up. But if you're talking about, you know, these short, intermediate throws that we were just talking about last segment with the West Coast offense and 
you know, we talked about with Michael where the, you know, leading up to free agency where he said, look, they, they need a big, basically described himself. They need a big physical receiver, you know, a, a, like a prototypical X out there. Then that's Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen will get open quick. Yes. Keenan Allen is a, a, you know, contested ball catcher. Like he's, he's the perfect type of receiver for West coast schemes. And so I'd be interested in him depending on the price, but you know, them, they're, they're probably going to do like, Hey, uh, one year, 1.5 million. Keenan, you want to come over here? Interesting that you guys went to the receiver first. I went to Lawan first. Uh, he's the bigger name. And I was like, is he that old? Is he just going to go do his bussing with the boys podcast? He's 31, three time pro bowler, number 11 pick in the 2014 draft. He was entering the final season of his contract. The problem with him, two ACL surgeries in three years. He's played in only 20 games over the past three seasons. So that's the problem with him. Because I was thinking like, oh, can we get a tackle upgrade here? We got a Tyron Smith replacement. You move around Terrence Steele. I don't know. Taylor Lewan, big name, still young, but all the ACL issues. Yeah, I would not. I, I wouldn't go after Luan just because I also don't think you're in a bad spot with your tackles like Terrence Steele's going to be back and I think he's one of the better right tackles in the NFL and Tyler Smith being basically barely old enough to drink last year showed really good promise at left tackle I think another year you know growing and and learning he'll be even better next I think Tyler Smith is a prime candidate for like breakout pro bowl type season year next year for the Cowboys all right I uh I always want legends to stick around as long as possible but yesterday I was like I'm 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 starting to wonder if I'm 50 50 on this one Mm -mm. Jeff Darlington ESPN on why Aaron Rodgers is going back to Green Bay I've learned two things in the past 24 hours that make me kind of believe that the Jets, it's time for them to simply sign Derek Carr. The first of which is a conversation I had with a very important Green Bay Packers source, who quite honestly believes that Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers and that all of this is being overhyped. He looks Mm. at the contract that Aaron Rodgers signed last year, the commitment that he gave to the team, and believes that at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers. There's another bit of information And that is the impeccably sourced uh, report from Diana Rossini talking about that the Jets told Derek Carr in his meeting that they believe that with the Jets, he will be a Hall of Famer. If that's not just total BS, if they're just not trying to inflate him, which maybe that is the case, go sign Derek Carr right now. You're potentially waiting on a guy in Aaron Rodgers who might or might not be available when you have a guy who is just in your building who you believe will be a Hall of Fame quarterback as a New York Jets player. What are you waiting on? That was Jeff Darlington. And then you add in Tom Pelissero, very respected over at the NFL Network, believes the marriage between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers could continue. If he wants to return... As long as he's fully bought in, the Packers want him back. They had good conversations after the season. So this would counter Bob McGinn, the longtime Packers reporter, uh, who said he was one of many who said, this is, div- this is a divorce. They both want to part ways. This is over. And then McGinn reported they're done with him. That's the way it is right now. They're disgusted with him. They've turned the page they don't see Rodgers as a guy who's really working hard anymore. They see a guy who, when he reported this year, his body wasn't so-called tight. 
and strong as it was, they see a guy who blew off the offseason last year. So now we're back to Green Bay. He showed up in the Cameron Poe getup. Yeah. What's that? It's uh, uh, Con Air, the movie, the Nick Cage movie. You've seen that movie. (laughs) Yeah. He showed up in that getup. Look Look at all... Looking all Poe there. And then he was John Wick a couple weeks sure. later. Sure, yeah. I mean, look, if Aaron Rodgers wants to come back to Green Bay, it, you know, I, I bet you they let him back. They really, Are they really ready for the Jordan Love era? Are they dying to start the Jordan Love era? I would doubt it. Now, if they say they, they get two first-round picks for him, they're like, okay, fine. You know, let's, let's do that. But, yeah, look, if you're the Jets and, and, and you hear this about Rodgers, just go get Carr. Go get Carr, you know, compete for the division. I mean, you probably won't win the division, but you'll compete for a wild card spot. You were 7-10 and 10 with one of the worst quarterback situations you've ever seen. Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of feel, because this is three off seasons in a row. If he goes back to Green Bay, this is three off seasons in a row <laughs> we've had this happen. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like collectively us watching this as, as football fans, watching the Aaron Rodgers drama, doesn't it feel a little bit like the, uh, the old Brock Osweiler meme? where he's, like, going to put on his helmet and jogging. He's like, yes, Peyton's finally coming off the field in a blowout. And then he looks up, and Peyton's jogged on the field, and he throws his arms up like, okay, back to the bet. Like, it does feel like, yes, finally, okay, the Aaron Rodgers drama is over. I'm guess, uh, Are these reports changing because he's come out of his darkness retreat? <laughs> did he Did he find something in is his darkness out? retreat? Isn't it? It was supposed to be four days. Isn't he four out day. now? It was a four so day he's got to be out. So, I mean... I'm guessing he came out of that and was like, ah, clarity, Green Bay, of what, course. When's Jeez. the last time we've been as exhausted by a player's back and forth? Was it Favre? Favre and Clemens. Clemens. Floyd, Clemens, Favre. I mean, I'm sure there's others. I'm sure there's been NBA guys. I mean, um, Jordan came back and forth, but nobody was exhausted by it. Everybody was happy when he would come back. Because we, were di- we were a different world, too, then. Why would Carr, why are they saying Carr may not want to go to the Jets? What's the hesitation? Uh, Zach Wilson is the hesitation. The hezzy? Yeah. Um, uh, or the tation, if you want to call it that. But uh, but Zach Wilson the, is the hesitation. Because nobody wants to be around this kid. And they they do not want to get rid of him yet. They do not want to give up on him. Uh, but the presence of Zach Wilson apparently is concerning to Derek Carr. Um, no, Boomer Sias had said this. He has no idea what the Jets are going to do. Uh, but he has been told that that is has a a, a point of contention uh, within Derek Carr. It's a sticking point for Derek Carr. I don't know why Zach Wilson would matter to Derek Carr at all, yeah. unless that the Jets are so invested financially in him that they're going to force him in the game. But they wouldn't sign Derek Carr if they're going to be trying to force Zach Wilson into a game. They wouldn't do that unless he's is he Josh Rosen. Or is just a punk? Is, is, yeah, Zach Wilson, Josh Rosen, and Derek Carr is not worried about, I know my job's secure. I don't want the toxicity in the locker room of coming somewhere where that guy's going to be upset. That could be what it is. That It's not that he's got that issue. Because it's, I mean, Derek Carr, we've talked about this. Like, Sean's made this point uh, a few times that, like, there's nobody more Mr. Raider than Carr. There's nobody uh, who's a bigger cheerleader for their franchise than Carr. So Carr's, like... All-world teammate, everybody loves the guy, everybody just, you know, would follow him into, you know, certain death type of guy, and if he is coming out of this going, and and this is obviously just a report from Boomer, which Boomer also tried to trade Aaron Rodgers to the Cowboys like two weeks ago, uh, if he feels that way, 
then that well, must be a, a toxic situation. More drama from from Derek, the drama queen. Oh my gosh, let me shed my tears and write my letters. Let everyone know how much I care. Is he a drama queen? Yeah, he's Slim. a drama queen. He's just so emotional. And he's just so, I bleed it. And I just have to leave the team because my feelings are hurt. I don't want to be a distraction. I'm much harder on uh, Derek Carr, as you can tell, uh, with all his emotions that everyone else loves. Good <sighs> Lord. Just go in there, keep Zach Wilson's ass on the bench, and freaking get your money and become your New York legend. He's, he's probably too soft for What if New he's York. not worried about that, though? What if it's what's not? The, I, then what, what's the hesitation? Because what if it's, I don't think we can succeed as a locker room if we've got this first-round pick sulking and No one cares about the- Zach Wilson. He is He's a pariah. Everyone has already jettisoned him. David David Irving was a pariah. They had to get him out of the locker room. It, he it, was he was toxic, it, and that it, was not it, even a first it round. It doesn't pick. stop you from going and getting forty five million dollars or forty million dollars with your next team in a good situation. You don't let Zach Wilson um, uh, be a road bump and a hurdle for you to go side. I, I think when you've been with the Raiders, which have been like a kind of a train wreck organization, you want to make sure that everything is buttoned up the next place you go. Yeah, I think that's They're going to get rid of Zach Wilson. I mean, you can't have it perfect everywhere. They're eventually going to draft a quarterback. He's going to whine and cry over that, too. Like, this should not even be on the list of factors. They hate Zach Wilson. The whole organization hates him. They, they got rid of him for two words in a press conference. They, they started Mike White over him. Yeah, like, the problem is they're not getting rid of him. You're not important enough to, like, clear the way for everybody. Fine. What, what else are you going to pick? You want to go to D.C.? You want that as an organization? You got those problems there? Or you got Zach Wilson with the Jets? That's my opinion. You know, yesterday you talked about Hendon Hooker, and you were like, "Is would that be... We got another quarterback today the Cowboys are drafting. I mean, what I'm saying is, is that if you're talking about if it's by low enough on Zach Wilson, I think this team would be interested. Cowboys? Mm-hmm. Why not? I think they'd be very interested in... It, but, depending on what the price would be, I think they'd be very interested in that as a lottery ticket. I mean, why not? If I was any team, you should do that. They yeah, they, yeah. they loved him just two years ago, Dallas did. They were never yeah. going to take him, but they thought he was incredible. I, I love the upside, man, but that dude, like, he seems like he could just destroy a, a, a room. Just destroy a locker. And, and, and you know, like... You're the one who wants to just take all the talent, take I all am. the pedigree. I, I, but I, I'm not taking a backup quarterback who's going to be a problem. Backup based on, I mean... Oh, I mean, he would back up Dak. Yeah, he would for probably like eight games till Dak do all do his want, picks. Do you want to fight me, Sean? Is that what you want? You want to fight? If you want to fight, we can fight. <laughs> First of all, it'd be five games before he got hurt. Okay. Eight, seven, or seven, three quarters. Eight seven seven eight eight one one zero five three. Chuckwreck.com text line to hit us up here on DFW Sports Station. Thanks for being a Tolo. That stands for turn it on, leave it on. The NBA numbers are in. All-time bad. Uh-oh. All-time bad for the NBA. And at least the Rangers don't have this owner in Major League Baseball. Maybe an explanation for why Jerry Jones wants the turf in Arlington, the surface. It's coming out of Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore explains why Jerry may want his NFL turf next. Headlines coming up at 7 o'clock here on DFW Sports Station. Sean Shreve, RJ Choppy, and Bobby Belt. Thanks for being a Tolo, trying to get you to your weekend as quickly as possible. Ugh. The NBA All-Star Game ratings 
have come in with record low numbers, RJ Choppy. Not good. I know you have the DFW numbers, uh, but they averaged a combined 2.2 rating, four and a half million viewers. That's a lot of people. Four and a half across two different networks, TNT and TBS. Easily the lowest rated and least watched edition of the game. The previous lows, 21 and 22, had around 6 million viewers. So the NBA, don't know if they'll care. Adam Silver, who I really liked to start off his tenure as commissioner, probably putting his head in the ground, a 29% decline from last year for the NBA All-Star Game. The steepest year-over-year dip in over two decades On 105throughthefan.com with the info. Yeah, and and that number, and you said it was 4.59 million? Yeah. Four and a half million people in yeah. the country watched the All-Star game. So like you said, the Pro Bowl had 6.28 million watch it a couple weeks ago. Better. Uh, and Better. then baseball's All-Star game had 7.51 million, which I was surprised that that beat the Pro Bowl, but it is the only watchable All-Star game of the of the of the bunch. Yeah, it's the most similar to their sport. It's the most similar to their sport. It's a game. It's a, it's an actual real game. Yeah, and you can't half-ass it unless you like start throwing underhand, and that would be really really entertaining. Yeah. Or guys started swinging from the opposite side of the plate, and that would be entertaining. That that that's what the All Star Game is. It's it's like if Mike Trout took every at bat at the All Star Game left-handed. Everyone went. That's the that's the seriousness. That these guys show yeah. during the layup line. Right. It, it, it's all it is. Um, it, it's terrible. It's, it's really an unwatchable event. Um, and and I mean, let's be fair. It's also, did it used to be on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? And now it's on at 6.30? I'm not sure. I thought we were kids. It was on like middle of the year. I, remember, I, I always, don't remember that. I always remember Daytona 500 and then the NBA All-Star game. I see. I, I remember that yeah. at least like 15 years ago. And, you know. The Daytona, Daytona 500 beat it, right? Uh, it beat it here. Yes, it did. Um, yeah, Broadus. Way to represent. So in um, so they don't really do number ratings anymore locally. That that so they're not doing that. They're doing total impression. That's how they're trying to figure out the new rating system. So the numbers I have are total households watching it. Um, one hundred and fifty-four thousand DFW households tuned in the day, the Daytona Five Hundred. 105,000 households tuned in to the NBA All-Star Game. 99,000 households turned into the All-Star Draft, Sean. Almost as many people watched the draft. Yep. I cared more about the draft to watch LeBron start planting his Kyrie seeds as Luka looked on in the background. Cared way more about the draft than the game. Um, The PGA Genesis Invitational. Uh, had 63,000, and that's, that's you know, you continue to get on the list. That's basically it. Uh, All-Star Saturday night did well. Had 79,000 households. Well, I, I guess it didn't do well. <laughs> um, but that's that was the highest for, for Saturday. This is, this, is, this is an event that people just aren't tuning into. So this article, Sports Media Watch, said TNT is currently pacing at its highest regular season average in four years. Highest regular season average in four years, which I did find surprising. Um, NBA games overall were averaging a 0.9 and a 1.6 entering the All-Star break, even with last year. 
So those are the numbers. NBA All-Star Game, a complete and total disaster. How much does it really matter? It, we talk about it on a Monday, and then we all move on. What if... So I was like I've thought about this before. You know, the the Field of Dreams game was such a popular thing. What if that's how some of these leagues tried to tap back into All-Star stuff? Rucker Park? Is yeah, like honestly, like play the game at Rucker. Well, I think that chain nets and wind. Honestly, yeah. yeah, play the game. It's it's a it's an exhibition game. It doesn't matter. Play it at Rucker. Make it three on three. For me, um, that's a one time thing though. Like the Field of Dreams, going back to the second time, I didn't really care. I don't even know if they went back a second time. I think they did. They did. But you go there for the first time. Two last place team. I was all <laughs> I was all in, <laughs> and I'd seen it. Right. It's it's like how do, how do we feel about you know the outdoor hockey when they oh, do the cool. classic? Yeah, that does great numbers. Yeah, for hockey, it does it does tremendous? So I don't know why. I maybe maybe. What if it was tra- new, what if it was like traveling? What if it was like traveling? Like they're just playing street ball courts in different cities. Like if they came yeah. to Dallas and played street ball, people would want to go down there and do that, no doubt. And so I mean, it would at least create buzz. I think in yeah. that sense, it's yeah. just something different. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a problem though. I mean, of the this is a fantasy of the 100 most viewed TV shows of 2022, I think 82 were NFL, and there were more soccer than NBA games. Because of the World Cup? No. Say that again? Uh, Of the 100 most viewed sporting events of 2022, yeah, I mean, I bet you some would be World Cup. Uh, Over 80 were NFL games. And there were more NBA than, I'm sorry, more soccer than NBA games on the list. So even World Cup, I mean, you would would count NBA finals. Yeah. I think they have to figure out a way. So what what the Pro Bowl did in making a flag football they increase the players want to. Um, somehow, some way, they did it. When these guys took off their helmets, and it felt more one-on-one, which made them try harder playing that flag football format. But you could you could see they were trying. You could tell there was a little bit of pride, and and them going for the flags like required more effort than than the tackling, where it's like, all right, let me touch you with two hands, and you're going to go down. They have to figure out a way to put these guys' pride in the firing line here to make them try a little bit more. Well, well you know, I think football, by doing the, the flag thing, they admitted to the public, we don't care. And they, that... They knew that, though. No, they knew that, but they finally admitted it. And that, like, that kind of relief... Okay, get it. No, you're honest with us for once. We, If the NBA were to go to, like, three-on-three, three, the big three... You know, do that big three thing yeah. and just do like a three on three hoop it up kind of tournament. I'd be much more interested in that than I am in an NBA all-star game. Do a do a game to a, do a bunch of games to 11 uh, NBA hoop it up style. And let's go. What if you like, I, I mean, what if you were to like, literally, this is just, this may be a terrible idea, but what if you were to take, you know, really popular current street ball players, like you take one or two of them and they're represented on each side. And then you're on the court with these street ball players who then you're getting embarrassed by some yep. like Rafer Alston skip to my Lou. Yes. Like that might be something that gets them like their pride kicks in. That, yes. Something like that. Um, but let's, I think they should also, you know, overall focus on, we got a bigger problem with the NBA regular season and this load management stuff. This is a one-time thing. You know, we have some talk topics about it for a week and then no one cares until this time next year and the dunk contest where another Mac McClung 
hopefully shows up. The or ball, maybe Matt McClung shows up again. Maybe he shows up to, again. To defend his crown. What did the Baltimore Orioles say yesterday that set off their fan base? Oh, they stepped in it, man. Woo! They stepped in it. Easy to uh, do that in Baltimore. Yes. You know, John no, It's Angela. not easy to step in it. It's easily to get hit by it. <laughs> is that dangerous? Is it dangerous there still? Uh, I don't know. I haven't been back. Won't go back. Yeah. Not, not, not going back. Game at Candom Yards. Okay. Fine. Before they tear the place down and get a new one. All right. So, do you know who John Angelos is? I don't, but... Peter Angelos' son. I know the last name. There's the assumption. Uh, he is the CEO of the Baltimore Orioles, Sean. And he was asked about the team's low payroll. He said the 2022 team overachieved. And he also said, it's not my job to predict payroll. Okay, fair. It's not your job to predict the payroll. Well, what is your job, John? Well, he says, I cannot believe this came out of his mouth, Sean. I cannot believe it. He says his priorities... <laughs> for the or- for the organization. This is amazing. In order. <laughs> In order. Bringing, number one. <laughs> Secure the bag. Bringing concerts to Camden Yard. Oh. <laughs> it's the CEO. Oh, man. Number two. <laughs> the partnership with the city of Baltimore. Oh, no. Get us a new stadium. Forget about the AL East. Number three. The team. <laughs> this is the CEO concerts. Concerts one. The CEO of the Baltimore Orioles, which I checked my notes. There's still a baseball uh, uh, team, a team with more exciting young talent than a lot of other teams. I mean, the Rangers would trade places with the Baltimore Orioles today. Not only the Ra- not only the oh, Orioles. You, you think so? Oh, with with, with like the win now that we have uh, the. the the big three? Well, see, you're seeing me in the Orioles. stadiums with them. The Orioles already had... Ooh, hot take. The Orioles already had a better team last year that fought for a playoff spot. And they also have the number one prospect. And they have, the, like, the number 10 prospect. Yeah. So, it, it's not even close. Like, you... you uh, I, I would be... I would be willing to bet that even teams like... I don't know. Like, the, the Astros wouldn't trade places with the Orioles. No. Uh... And the Dodgers would, and the Yankees would, but like that, they, the rest of them would consider it. The rest of the teams in baseball would consider it. They would trade places with them today. I was trying to think of the last executive to do something this stupid, and I immediately thought of that Cardinals executive, who basically told the team, "Like, keep on running your mouth. I'll move us out of here." Remember that guy? Wait, uh, was this the the guy who looked like a mafia boss? I'm trying to remember what his name was. With oh. the, the Arizona Cardinals, St. Louis. Cardinals. Oh, St. Louis. The St. Louis Cardinals executive was like. Keep on talk. I think it was St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis, I'm trying to think. It was a baseball exec who was, who was oh, like. Oh, no, Cincinnati. It was the C- Reds. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Reds. Peyton. My yeah. bad. Cincinnati Reds, if you can find it in the system. Uh, yeah. Marge shot. Yeah. It was not Marge shot. Uh, oh. But he did say, he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll, uh, keep going. We'll we move. haven't heard from him anymore. Yeah, we'll, we'll move to Nashville. We'll be in Vegas tomorrow. Right, keep keep coming. Keep talking. Keep talking. Bless you. Imagine, uh, if, imagine if the Rangers owners said this. And by the way, this tells you why Jerry never wants to change the surface because the concert money, the other event money that comes in when these games are not being played, right? I mean, he wouldn't be able to have concerts during the season if he had grass. I mean, they maybe they would, but it, it would be tough. Like, you'd have to roll it out 
and then use the you know use the cement underneath. But and we then have a team CEO admitting concerts won. I know. <laughs> How much money do they make off those? Well, like what, what's so, the overhead on that? All right. So is it Luke Combs is going to be at AT and T? Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll be there, Joe Trahan, if you're listening. So, <laughs> I mean, if you, let's just say a place seats a hundred thousand people. Like Beyonce's coming. Uh, and okay. So Beyonce's coming. Beyonce. Beyonce's probably, let's just say Beyonce's charging $500 a ticket, which probably isn't, but who knows it today? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Eagles were charging 350 bucks a ticket Ugh. to go see him. Yeah. Love Glenn Fry. Uh, well, I don't think he's here anymore. Oh, damn. Um, so let's just say Beyonce charges $500 a ticket, mm-hmm. which she's not, but let's just say she is. Yep. At 80,000 people in the stadium, at $500 a ticket, do your math on that one there, she's paying, she pays, or Live Nation pays for the stadium for the week or for the day, and then they charge the ticket money, and that's how they recoup their money. So Jerry's making tons of cash. Mavs are back in action Dak has a new quarterback coach, and is Patrick Kane about to join the struggling stars? Headlines for this Thursday morning. Next on The Fan.